We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good evening to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me as always is that guy. That's Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And we are going to jump right back into our position previews and a position that both Brian and I have very much been looking forward to discussing going into spring. And that is, of course, the offensive line, Brian. Mm -hmm. This is... We have been maligned when it comes to the offensive line for quite some time. And in our wildest dreams, we all hoped and prayed that Harry Heastand would come back to coach these guys up. And that actually occurred. That actually happened. Our dreams came true. Hoped and prayed, but said many times it ain't <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> That's right. And so now we get to see what that looks like and we are a mere days away from the first spring practice where we get to get an inkling of what this group might look like moving forward yeah it's it's really interesting Vince as you kind of look at this position group and just think about how much has changed you know we went into last season saying look I'm concerned about it but I'm going to give coach Quinn the benefit of the doubt it was the first time in his tenure that he was going to coach an offensive line that was filled up with primarily his guys and that was important for us to discuss because the foundation that Harry Heastan laid was gone, basically. Right. And and so the players, all talented as they were, what kind of foundation were they going to have? You know, was this a group that was really going to have the the mentality, the you know, carry on the legacy of what had come before? And as we found out, they weren't ready to do that. And the thing that you and I stuck with was we didn't believe it was a talent issue of the guys in the roster, maybe of some of the guys that they played, but not necessarily the overall you know, talent of the roster. And just it, it held the offense back. I, I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at, you know, I wrote a series of articles last week about the pass game and why I'm really optimistic about the pass game. And so much of the data and the film, as I study the film again, and I go mm-hmm. through the beginning of the year, it's like, I was breaking down the Wisconsin and Cincinnati games. And Vince, I'm telling you, there was probably eight to 10 throws that were just 
dudes coming open that if Jack Cohn would have had time or, or Drew Pine when he went in the game, if they just would have had time to go to their number two read, yeah, it's a big play. I Not mean, even it's the a third big or fourth. Play. Yeah. Yes. And like there was a play where he threw a quick, Jack Cohn threw a quick pass to Michael Mayer to his left. And Mayer was kind of covered. It ended up being a complete pass. In an ideal world, you know, that's I, I'm going to go back to this look because I see this linebacker flying out to take him. I know I got a backside kind of, you know, backside seam route or, you know, kind of like a drag, but a little bit more of a vertical. I don't even know what to call that route. But Avery Davis was coming open. If Jack Cohn could have looked away from Mayer and come back to Avery Davis, he hits them and he's got room to run. This is the first drive of the game. And, of course, you know, Mayer, he has to get rid of the ball because as soon as he threw the ball to Mayer on a – on a quick five-yard option, he got hit. Right. You know, and it's just it was that over and over and over again. Well, then the line finally starts giving more time as the schedule got weaker, and they played some really not good passing teams or pass rush teams. And lo and behold, the pass offense just shreds, right? And it was just one of those things where, as I compared the data to Alabama and Ohio State and teams like that, like Notre Dame's clean pocket numbers were every bit as good as Alabama's from a per they were like 9.0 yards per attempt. Bama was at like 9.3. Notre Dame was at 12 and a half yards per completion. Bama was at 12.4. They were both over 70% completions. It's like when Jack Cohn had a clean pocket last year, it was really good. It just didn't have as many clean pockets as other quarterbacks. And it's just one of those things where we knew the line was going to determine what the direction of the offense and how good the offense could be. We both felt they had a lot of really good skill talent. Still feel that way. It just was, can the line allow them to play? And it didn't. Right. And and that was the issue. And, you know, that needs to change. And there's a lot. I mean, look, we we assume that Harry Heastan is going to do a better job. I think he is. The question for me is, is okay, how much better? Are we going to get the Harry Heastan of old? Are we going to get a new and improved version of Harry Heastan, which we'll talk about? Are we going to get not – you know, not quite there. I mean, but it's no matter what it is, it's going to be better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. It's going to yes. be better. Yes. And some of the young talent is now going to be a year older. You know, Andrew Kristoffic has experience under his belt now as a student starting lineup, which he didn't have last year. Joel, Joel Walton, Blake Fisher now have yep. a year under their belt. Right. So there's there's that. So there's just a lot of optimism. But the big thing for me, Vince, this, this offseason has been I've been shocked at the buzz about the offensive line from everybody else in the program. And I was talking, so just so you know, if you're if you're a member of the message board and you haven't been on this morning, I did put a defensive intel fe- feature up. We had the offensive intel feature last week, just kind of what I'm hearing from all my sources around the program about guys on offense. Today was the one about you know about the defense. And you know, I talked to a few different sources and and the one I talked to today, it, it's like we're talking about the defensive line. And every time he he would make a comment about a player. It would be like, but we're going to find out this spring. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And it's like, well, we're going to be going up against a much better unit now. Like, that's what he was like. The expectation is like the defensive line feels that they're going to be better now because of the offensive line. Right. right. The receivers feel, the running backs feel like everybody feels like because Harry, he stands back, we're going to be better because I think people believe in the talent. Right. Yes. It's that they weren't being prepared. And that was something that kind of surprised me. I wasn't surprised that when I talked to my sources on the offensive side that they're like, yeah, the line's going to be better. I was really surprised that the defensive coaches seemed to be like, wow, like this is going to make us better. That's the well, expectation for Harry Heastan coming in. 
Yeah, and, and I think last year there was a bit of false confidence watching the defense just absolutely shred the offensive line in the spring and in the fall, right? I mean, there, there it gets to a point where you're having so much success defensively where you're like, well, yeah, we're really good. You know, we can do this on a regular basis and, you know, and all that. And I'm not saying the defensive line and the defensive front wasn't good for Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but they were so good against this offensive line that it was almost like a false, you know, confidence well, situation. But, you know, to your point, Vince, I think you I think you hit on something because the defensive line ended up being really good last year. Yeah. It took them a couple games to get, get – get, because to your point, I think that – they were so dominant against the offensive line. Right. That, like you said, they weren't pushed the way that they should have been pushed. And then they get to Florida State and Toledo, and, like, these are better coached and all those different things, and they just weren't as good. And it took them a while to kind of get into the right. the, the groove. Once they got into the groove, they were really good. And even in the two first two games, the D-line still made some big plays. I mean, Isaiah Foskey had a big couple big sacks, and Jason Adamiola had a couple big plays. And it just it took them a while as a unit to really say, okay, this is the level of intensity that we're going to be facing on Saturdays. And they never really got that during the season and, you know, during the preparation and things like that. And, and then right. also – where the youth hurt Notre Dame. So Brian Kelly used youth as an excuse a lot. And then we rejected a lot. But one of the areas where I do think youth was a valid criticism is once you get into games, the scout team was basically made up of freshmen and walk-ons. And that, now that was, it was where, you know, cause you're not, those guys are just naturally not going to be as big or as strong as a junior or something like that. Talking about the freshmen. Right. And so I think that is another aspect of it is, is like, it, it's like the, the competition was getting up on Saturdays compared to where it should have been. Well, just that alone this year, you're going to be going against freshmen, a lot of freshmen again, but you know, perhaps you're going to see Pat Coogan again. Well, he's now got a year under his belt in the weight room. You're going to see maybe Caleb Johnson again. He's now got a year under his belt in the weight room. And then the incoming freshman class at that level is going to be even better than last year's in regards to the guys that are potentially going to be down on scout team. Because let's be honest, the two best freshmen in last year's class or the three best freshmen in last year's class were never on scout team. Rocco wasn't on scout team. I don't believe. And then, obviously, Blake Fisher and Joe Walt weren't on scout team. Joe Walt might have been, like, at the very beginning of the year, but he was quickly moved up because of the injury to Blake Fisher in the opener. So, right, right. just all around, I think the offensive line is going gonna, is gonna to be better. The question, Vince, is how much better? I think that's right. the question that we're going to start to see little glimpses of in the spring. We're not going to have the full answer by and the I, spring. And I think that's really important to, to mention. Like, you're not going to see a finished product on Thursday, you know what I mean? Number one, they're not going to even be in pads, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a process, but even by the end of spring, we're going to see steps in the right direction. But if, if anybody's expecting to see the hair, you know, uh, a Joe Moore award winning offensive line at the end of spring, I mean, that's just not realistic. I don't think you're going to see that from 130 teams. I mean, that's however, 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 we, we should see immediately, like within the first padded practice, we should start to see differences because you're talking about firing off the ball and stuff like that. Yeah. Techniques better. Yes. They're, they're, they're winning more battles. They're, you know, they're they're doing some good things. They're pushing the defense. They're getting big runs. They're giving the quarterback time. The technique is better. Like those are the things that we're going to look at. And we, you know, you'll be at the practices. Uh, one of your former offensive line coaches is going to be at the practices. So he's going to yeah. be really oh, fired up to watch stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's fired up about it. And so, you know, we're going to obviously have a lot to see and say about that, you know, and, and so that's clearly going to be one of the areas that we're going to look at. And, you know, so it, it, it's, it's exciting time Vince, because I really feel like this is a period where 
I feel like with everything that we have said since we launched this channel, the next 12 months, really the next maybe nine months, right? Nine to 10 months is going to go a long way to say, okay, were we right? You know, right. Um, were, were we yeah. right about that? And, yeah. and, and to me, you know, that's why, you know, when I, when I'm, when, as I'm sitting there explaining kind of like the latest buzz that I'm hearing about, you know, the people being excited about Harry, he and what he's bringing yeah. back and all these other kind right. of things. It's like, you know, it, we're going to find out because the feeling in the program, and this is the, this is the thing that excites me is, you know, talking to sources, there's not the attempt to tamp everything down now. It's like the people that I talk to actually, it's funny is the people I talk to on defense are more tamping things down than people on offense, just because that's kind of their nature. And that's how a lot of them are and just have always been, but normally it's the other, it's the other way around. It's like, listen, we're, you know, Hey, we're talented. And it's it, it. And the reason that's important is not to create like false hype or whatever, but it's like, if you don't believe you're great, then you're not going to be great. You, you know what I mean? Like if you think, Hey, we should be great. Then that's the standard I'm going to hold you to. Then that, then that's going to raise the bar. And, and that's really the feeling I got from talking to just different yeah. sources on offense is they feel like that foundation is going to be so much better now along the offensive line that we're going to get our chance to shine out here. And I think that's a lot of the excitement when, when it comes down to, to why this team is, there's a lot of energy and buzz about the offensive line and the offenses generals, because we're going to find out if you and I are correct about the talent level being better than maybe people thought it was. We've been saying that a lot and and the talent level is better than we think. Well, Hey, there's no more excuses, right? There's no. No, we can't blame Brian Kelly for, you know, the offense not being, you know, good again. Again, it, you're not going to, you know, reinvent the wheel or just completely change out everything and score 60 points a game next year. But again, we should see improvements, right? Yes. I mean, if, if, if the receivers aren't playing with better technique or aren't making more plays, then I can't blame Dell Alexander anymore. You know, if the offensive line's getting its butt kicked every, every day in practice, I can't blame Jeff Quinn anymore. Right. And, and so that's the thing is we're now going to find out, was it a player problem or was it a coaching problem all along? And that's kind of what I'm excited about this spring. Yes, I'm confident absolutely. in my conviction that it was yes. not a player problem. Well, right? because we've but seen, we're find we've out. seen evidence in the past. We've seen empirical evidence from one coaching staff or one position coach to the next mm-hmm. we've seen it. And then we've seen the, the uh, influence of the former coach during the, the other coach right so we've seen it right so I'm very confident in our assessment moving forward as well but the rubber meets the road coming up I mean it's just it is what it is yeah exactly we need to see it now we got to see it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Vince, let's talk about what we know yeah. and what we don't know. Right, right. Obviously what we know, let's begin with we know that Joe Walt and Blake Fisher are going to be offensive tackles. And we know <laughs> that this line is going to be better, right? Yeah. Because of the presence of Harry he stands. So let's, let's begin talking about that. I think there's a lot of attention that we could kind of go into about, Oh, is Blake Fisher going to play left tackle, right tackle. I think you and I can agree that it doesn't matter. I don't care. I have my preference. You have your preference, but I don't really care. I mean, if, if Harry he stands says, Hey, I want Blake Fisher at right. Or if I want Blake Fisher at left, I want Joe Walt at right. Joe Walt. Yeah, probably I probably would have done different, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. What we do know, however, is those two guys are poised to really have breakouts because Notre Dame was expected to have a freshman All American last year. We all thought they were gonna have one. Yeah, I'm just not the one that it would be Joe Walt. Yeah, not the one that it was. That's right. And so that's the excitement is like the guy that we are we all think is going to be a great player. I mean, Ryan Harris is on this channel talking about how this is one of the you know incredibly talented players. I'm talking to you know, former Notre Dame offensive linemen here in the NFL who were great college players and part of some great offensive lines saying that might be the most talented kid I've ever seen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that those are people that played with Quentin Nelson. Like he, yeah. you know, compare, they're talking about comparing him to, to Quentin, you know, and it's like, mm, he's just an athlete, a giant body. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like he's just so right. athletic. And he's, and the thing that I think, I think that surprised a lot of people was uh, two things surprised a lot of people about Blake is number one, his mental aptitude. And the surprise is, you just a lot of freshmen are just it's it's a huge jump from high playing offensive line in high school to, to college. I mean, it's just there's just so much more. Most that's why Quentin Nelson's redshirted, Mike McGlinchey redshirted, Ronnie Stanley redshirted, right. Zach Martin redshirted, right? The, the Notre Dame just, greats, the recent right. greats, I mean, all other than Hainsey and Elmer, like you know, none of those guys really played as freshmen. I mean, Liam Eikenberg sat the bench for two years. So the, the mental aptitude, it's just the offensive line is just a huge adjustment, in my opinion, from from high school to football and how quickly Blake picked it up just showed like this kid sure. has a mind for the game. And that's, you don't always know that about any top recruit until you see him do it. And then the other thing was he works. I mean, that's the thing that's really surprised, but he works and he's not one of those kids that just relies on being bigger and stronger and more athletic. He says, you know, he works to, I want to be the best version of myself. And, and I think that's important too. All right. So we, that's why I expect Blake to be, to be great. And, from what we've heard so far, the connection between him and Coach Eastan so far has been really good. Awesome. And that's one of the big questions that we had. And then, obviously, Joe Walt is Joe Walt. And so there's excitement there. He's just going to be steady Eddie, be man. <laughs> right. Now, can they take you know, what kind of leap they can take? We know that Coach Eastan is going to be Coach Eastan. So there's certainly some things, Vince, that we feel like we know who the tackles are going to be. We know what he stand brings to the table, and and I, I think we can confidently say the line's going to be better. But I think we would have said that even if Jeff Quinn was back, because there is so much coming Just, back. Absolutely. The question, you know, is still about how much better. I think is really where the conversation needs to be. That that's yeah. where I'm coming from. No, 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 and I I agree with you. I think I think Joe Alt, you could stick him at any position and he's going to be just fine because he's just going to put his head down and quietly work and just get better and bigger and stronger. Mm -hmm. And because that's what he did. No one expected anything of Joe Alt going into the fall of last year. Right. I mean, nobody. And I remember 
that first practice, you know, you're like, hey, man, get a picture of Joe Alt. I need to I get a video of him, like, moving around. I'm like, he's a lot bigger than we thought he was going to be. Yeah. But and that's why I wanted you to get a picture. Somebody had yeah. told me. Somebody's like, hey, this kid's way bigger than we thought he was going to be. Like, because they were right. thinking he was going to show up like 275, 280, and he showed up over 300 pounds. Yeah. But it was and like, like I, and I got, the reason pounds. I wanted you to take the video was I got a little bit nervous. Right. I'm like, that's a lot of weight for that kid. I'm not sure if I'm ready to, if I don't know if his body's ready for that. Like, so what I wanted you to do is I wanted you to take a video of him going through stretch. Right. I wanted to see him bending and, you know, and all those type of things since I couldn't be at practice. And I was surprised at how well he moved. Like that was the big thing for me. Like, oh wow, this kid hasn't lost any yet. This kid went from being in like a 240 pound junior to a 300 plus pound freshman in college, yeah. and didn't lose a, an ounce of athleticism. And he was a tight that, end. I mean, he wasn't even yeah, a lineman. Exactly. It's like, That's yeah. what surprised me. I was like, wow, okay, this is uh, this kid's got a little something, right? But yeah. even then, it's like, well, but you know, he's not be ready as a freshman, right? Like, because you have that preconceived idea of what you thought he was going to be coming out of high school. And I loved his upside. I gave him a four and yeah. a half star upside grade. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any time to get there. So, you know, that's the thing is you've got the freak talent at one side. You've got right. just that long, steady, well-coached kind of guy uh, on the other side. And you just feel like even though they're both true I've, – I've never gone into a season where I looked at a team that had two true sophomores at offensive tackle and was like, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're I know, right? They're fine there. <laughs> you know, they're fine. Right. I mean <laughs> – that, but and perhaps we're in error with that assumption. Perhaps, perhaps we're assuming too much of them that they're going to have some growing pains. But it's just what we've seen. I mean, they went up against one of the best pass rushes in college football in the bowl game last year and held their own for 60, 70 plus snaps of pass because they threw 68 passes, but they had over 70 pass snaps because there was a couple sacks and there was you know, some scrambles and stuff like that. But they they held up against the, the one of the four or five best pass rushes in all. I mean, they were number one in the nation in sacks last year coming to that bowl game. Texas, Oklahoma State was. Right. And they got had a couple sacks, but like the sack Joe Walt gave up, that was a covered sack, in my opinion. And that's where I think a lot of my optimism comes from. It's like the fact that they went against that group. You know, for a half, Blake Fisher went against Jermaine Johnson on several snaps and held his own. Jermaine Johnson yeah. is going to be a day two pick this year from Florida State. And it's like, yeah, hey, look, now those guys are getting coached by the best. Boy, there's just there's excitement. And, and perhaps we're putting too much on them this early. I think we need to be mindful of that. And when they do maybe make some mistakes in the spring, like, hey, Blake's just a sophomore with two games under his belt. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. th- but that's the kind of excitement we All have right. about him is we got to remind, hey, look, he's still a pup. He's still a pup. Yes. Right. Absolutely. But the potential's there and the talent is there for these these two guys to be to for Notre Dame. Because that's what that's what's been the, the, the anchor of the Notre Dame lines, right? Like, yeah, there's been great interior players. Obviously, Chris Watt was a really good player, and Quentin Nelson was a, a generational player, and they've had you know Sam Mustafer, Alex Bars. I mean, there's been good interior players, but the 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 foundation of the great lines that Notre Dame has had in recent years is every single one had great tackle play. Right. And in today's game, I don't care how good you are up in the middle. If you don't have great tackle play, you're going to struggle because there's real and, good edge and, players out there right. that are going to make plays. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Right. No and so that's not. what we know. We know those are the three things that I think we can confidently say we know, because one of the things we thought we knew going into the spring, we don't know anymore because Jared Patterson's hurt. Right. And that was going to be the other thing. Like, well, you know, Jared Patterson's going to do this, this and this. So. I definitely feel like there's a strong foundation for this line to build upon heading out. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no question. And that 
those are the knowns. Those are the ones that we know for sure. We know Patterson's going to be there. He's going to be in the middle, and he's going to knock it down, but not in the spring. And so what does that look like, uh, you know, moving forward? I think that would go under the what we don't know for the most part mm-hmm. category. We know that there's going to be a battle at both guard positions, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that so what we know is there's going to be a battle. What we don't know is what the outcome of that battle is going to be. Right. And I, and I right. think that – I would be surprised, I think, if that battle waged on too far into fall. Um, maybe a little bit, but I think a lot of it is going to be kind of figured out here moving forward. Yeah, I'm not as confident in you as, in that one, Vince. I'm not quite as as sold that it's going to get figured out that quickly. I, okay. And the reason I say that is is because, you know, I think that that – if the, if they determine it too early, then I feel like it's going to be because they're they're just going to hand it to the veterans, right? And and that's why I, think I don't that, want that at all. Yeah, yeah, because like, look, it's not like Rocco Spindler's not going to beat Josh Lug out by the end of spring. Is my point? He's not okay. going to beat out Andrew Kostovic by the end of spring. Is my point? Um, not that he may never beat them out. I'm I'm, I'm just making the point like those guys are going to need time to let them develop and let them battle. And, and honestly, if Josh Lug gets off to a bad start this spring, it shouldn't be one of those things like, well, send him on the bench because he, again, he's moving to a new position that he hasn't played in a couple of years. So I don't think that we're going to see that. Plus I think that they want to keep that healthy competition. They want to keep the young guys invested. Like, look, yeah. Rocco, right now you in the spring is the number two, but look, man, you, you, you right at the beginning of the spring, they were here and you were here. Right now they're here and you're here. You keep yeah. working, you know, and you, you don't want to, you don't want to kind of, same thing a quarterback, right? Like if, if, if Tyler Buckner is clearly the better quarterback by the end of spring, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, okay, you're the guy. Yeah. I'm still giving Drew Pine. I think Drew's earned that right to, to do that. And then vice versa. If Drew Pine's clearly the better quarterback, right? Same thing offensive line. Cause I want those guys to remain, help those, those guys to remain kind of in that competitive mindset when it comes to the offensive line. Now, if it's just so like obvious and then we'll know that, but I think that would be concerning for me because I don't think it's like where Josh Lug is going to become the next Quentin Nelson, right? Like that would be the only way where I wouldn't be concerned about there being a big gap. If there's a big gap to where it's done by the end of spring, you know, it, um, it would be a little bit concerning for me. And so I want to see a battle, you know, I want to see, I want to see what kind of, what's Andrew Kostafa going to do this spring. Right, like, is he going to make growth as a player, or is he uh, going to be, he, or is he going to be like, hey, I'm the starter and just kind of coast? Which, if you know, Andrew, not, I don't think that's. That. But that's the question yeah. we have to learn, right? right. And, and, and I'm not and, saying and, that about him specifically. Yeah. I'm saying in general, when you're a returning right. starter, there are guys that just kind of put it in coast mode. More so for me, it's more of a okay. Is that the best we can get from Andrew Gustav, or does he have another level that Harry Heaton sure. can get him to? Right. You know, that's kind of the question for me. And is it enough to still hang on to the starting job? I think. I think that's a fair question. You know, how is the combination of Matt Bayless and Harry Heastan going to really influence guys like Andrew Kristoffic more than anybody else, right? Like yeah. he's one of those guys where it's like that kid should be playing with more power than you'd think he would. Well, now he's going into a senior year. He's got to have multiple years in the weight room. I think now those young guys, because I think his class was really hurt by the COVID year because they missed like four good months right. as rising sophomores of weight room time that's really integral to their development right they're doing it all by march it was over and then they couldn't come back to like july right they were off campus and they couldn't come back 
And so you, you had some really unfortunate situations. So I think those guys are all a little bit behind the eight ball in regards to where a, a, a junior should have been last season. Is that, am I accurate in that concern? If so, then we should see a big jump from a guy like Andrew Kristoffic, you know, from a strength right. standpoint. Yes. Uh, we should see a jump from Zeke Carell from that standpoint. So that's another thing that I'm looking for this spring is do we see that kind of jump from those guys? Is it enough, uh, you know, to, to, to say, hey, look, he was a good steady player last year, but can he be a four? See, that's the question with Andrew Kristoffic is if he hangs on to the job, is he just going to be a steady? Because like, he was last year. He when he came in, he wasn't like, um, he wasn't like a dominant player. What was he happening was he wasn't getting mistakes. his butt kicked. Yeah, exactly. Right. He he right. didn't make a ton of mistakes. Right. He wasn't getting his butt kicked. He was just kind of doing his job. Right. And, and but he wasn't like dominating. The question right. I have is: Is that just who Andrew Kristofik is? He's just kind mm-hmm. of a. Just and that's okay. I mean, if you're surrounded by a, a great center right. and a really good left tackle, and Which you know, then be. you could kind of say like Christophe and Alt are very similar. You know, Alt wasn't a dominant player last year, physically dominant, as you don't expect a, a, a true freshman, freshman to be that way. Yeah, right. Maybe a true freshman like Blake Fisher, who's three thirty, that can throw some weight around. But like Joe Alt, you don't expect him to be physically dominant as a freshman. He just did his job, and so the left side of the line was just steady and for the first time all year when those two finally got together i think it was virginia tech was the first time they were together you just kind of started to see over the next couple games jack cone just started getting more and more comfortable in the pocket because he didn't he didn't feel like he had to look over his shoulder i mean literally look over his shoulder the whole time because the left tackle was just a a a sieve for once blake fisher went down for the next five games it was just a hot mess horrible well andrew and joe alt sort of solidified it just made it steady yes Okay, steady's fine, and and but if I want more than that, I want I, it, Andrew's a guy that I think can bring needs to bring more in the in the run game, you know, and and that's where I'm curious to see how the jump is for him because he's going to be coached better, right? He's going to be coached to play with more force. Got another year in the weight room. Are we going to see him kind of take that jump? That's a question. I don't know if we're going to see that jump this year. Right. I want to see if he's going to make that jump. No, I so, completely yeah, I completely agree and I and I think that I think Andrew can make that jump. But that's the difference between a good offensive line and a great offensive line is can these guys take that next step from just being assignment correct? Because I think that was really that's what he and Alt brought to the table when they both got in there. They were at the very least they were assignment correct. They got their head on who they needed to get their head on and they just didn't get beat. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the bar wasn't terribly high when they when they both first got in there. Now, I think we started to raise the bar for them as they continued to move on. But now that bar has to be raised even more now that they're going to have an offseason and, and all of that in the weight room, et cetera. So that's going to be the difference. So if if Andrew is going to maintain that left guard spot, if he's going to win that battle, is it going to be just because he was just kind of the most steady or is he going to take that step and be dominant? Right. right. And that's, and that's going to be huge. Right. And, and to me, same thing with Josh Luggagard. You know, is, is he just too many injuries and he's just never going to be that guy that we thought he could be? Because he was a mover in the run game as a high school player in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And he, he did a decent job of that as a tackle in 2019. He wasn't a mover last year. At times, you'd see the flashes of it. But, 
you know, was that a technique thing? Was that an injury thing? Was that, you know, was that he just wasn't sure what he was doing because the coaching wasn't what it needed to be? Those are unknowns. Does moving to guard and allow him to play in tighter quarters allow him to be more aggressive and play more physical? Does Harry Heastan's coaching kind of get more out of him? Josh is, in many ways, is a big unknown. And he's a guy that I think a lot of fans are just assuming, I don't want him starting. I don't want him. I don't, you know, he he needs to get beat out. And I understand that. And 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 I'm sympathetic to that based on kind of what we saw, but but I would discourage people from having that opinion because we felt last year that he was out of position, and and we also felt last year he just wasn't coached to play his game. He was we he was doing things that. in pass pro where yeah. he's like doing these vertical sets where he's like on his heels. It's like that's terrible coaching. That right. was worse than what he was in 2019 when he was still closer to the the Harry Heastan era where he was still playing with Robert Hainsey and Liam Eikenberg and those guys who were kind of working with. Those guys. I mean, that's the things we heard is, you know, Vince, you and I heard both heard it, that the veterans would kind of do some yeah. of the critiquing of their teammates. It shouldn't be that way, but it, it oh. was. And so I want to see what Josh looks like if healthy under Harry Heastan. Right. Now, I don't know how much Josh is going to play this spring because he's coming off the knee surgery that, that kept him out of the spring. Right. Shouldn't have been that bad. It was a meniscus. It wasn't like a torn ACL. So I would assume he's going to be out there. But for how much? I don't know. But I want to see what he can do. Is he going to be able to be a big mover? Because he's, I mean, he's six, seven, 310 pounds. I mean, he the should guard, be able to move. I mean, that's what I want from a guard. Like, I, right. I want I want a grader. I want a road grader at guard. I want a guy that's going to be able to move some big meat out of the way, right? And and you also have to be able to get to the second level when you're a guard a lot more than you did when you're a tackle. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that is going to be really important for Josh because you and I have discussed on multiple occasions how we think guard is his better position than tackle right and it's because of what happens when he's in space trying to pass protect Mm -hmm. my only worry about josh moving forward just because i haven't seen it enough recently is his movement getting to the next level i think he can do it i I, and again i agree i think i think guard is his spot i think he is a mover i think i think he's better in a smaller window than he is on the outside Mm -hmm. where he has to really get ground and all and of that. Stuff. And he has to give, yeah, giving yes. some guys just aren't meant to give ground. They're right. just, it doesn't have, they don't have the mentality for it. And I, think that's just, Josh. and I think Josh is one of those guys. Yes, absolutely. And so coming off a double team, I think he'll do well. I I, I think guard is his spot, but again, mm-hmm. how, what's that knee going to be like in the spring? What's right. that competition going to be like? Is somebody going to push Josh Lug? Right. And I, and I think that's really important. I think that's he, really it needs to happen. And even if Josh gets the starting job, that's not what I care about. But I don't, it, if Josh is just the clear cut right guard, either he is way better than we think, or guys aren't developing, or there's been an injury. And yeah. none of those are positives. Well, the first one's a big time positive. The next two are not positive. You know? <laughs> right. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is, is, is we have to understand is if, if let's say Rocco Spindler's a right guard and he's battling Josh Lug, he's battling Andrew Kristoffic as well. Yes. I mean, that's the thing is like if, if Rocco's the second best guard, they're not going to leave him behind Josh Luggett right guard. They're going to move him and let him battle left guard. That's the other thing that we have to remember, too. But, you know, it's important that those guys make the jump, Vince, because what what I my only concern about the offensive line is this. Like the, the athleticism of the group is really good, I believe. And 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 but. Jeff Quinn didn't recruit a lot of maulers, a lot right. of real physical guys. We think Rocco can be that guy. 
I think Lug can be that guy, but is Lug going to still – I mean, he he thought he could have been that guy before all the injuries. Can he be that guy now? We don't know. You know, I thought Kristoffic was going to be a really good run defend, run blocker, but he just hasn't shown that he's going to be that mover, right? Again, steady Eddie guy. And so, to me, that's my big concern is if the guards can't come out and move, then this is going to end up being a finesse offense. It's going to have to be a finesse run game right? because it's going to have to be like outside zones and buck sweeps. Because what you're going to have to do is if you can't, come off in zones and Vince and I are, you know, combo block and we're working together and we're pushing guys off the line, getting to that second level, right? If we're not creating movement, then it's hard to run the inside zone. It's hard to run counters. What you have to counter was you have to start, you have to have designed runs that work laterally that play to our strengths and, and, uh, you know, and limit the vertical push. So it becomes, you know, like a fast swipe, kind of a lateral block. And the other thing you got to do is you you got to create more pin and pull situations, you know, where you down block and try to kick out. Well, the problem with that is that once you declare that, it kind of start guys start hitting their gaps. Once he down blocks and I see that, I'm I'm declaring I'm going here. Right. And so it just if if you have to go to that, because you can't run your inside zone, you can't run your counters, because you're not getting movement. And when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about against Ohio State and you know, right. BYU and Clemson and you know, the the post postseason teams. I don't you can run on a lot of the teams on the schedule, but you're not evaluating Notre Dame anymore on beating Marshall and Cal and Navy and Syracuse and, you know, and Stanford. And it's now, okay, are you able to do this in the big games? And that's the key. And so if you can't get movement up front, it makes your inside zones less effective against the best teams on the schedule. And then that also puts more of a burden on Tyler Buckner as a runner, if you can't get movement. So it's really important. And that's one of the things I'm going to be looking for this spring because they are facing an undersized defensive line. You're not going to see Jason Adamiol out there, right? He's not going to practice this spring. The interior of the line should be kind of good, right? When you consider they're going against Howard Cross and Jacob Lacey, who are good players, but undersized players, they should be getting their butts kicked and get blown off the ball by those right. guys. Right Now, can they handle those guys' athleticism? That's a different conversation, but we're talking about from a power standpoint. Right. And so those are things I'm looking at with that. And then the second question, obviously, is can a guy like Rocco Spindler push one of those guys? And then that, that to me, is a big question mark, Vince, is Rocco looked good last spring. Yeah. Did he get a lot of confidence? Did he get hurt? Like what, what caused them to say this guy's ending the spring with the first team to where this guy's only played two games? Two games. A amount of snaps in those two games. It was mop ups. Yeah, it was it was absolutely right. But he only yeah. played. He didn't get the full four. Right. He didn't get the full the four. Red shirt, red shirt. Yeah. So I played him too, which yeah. you know, again, it reminds me of times in the past where it's like they don't want to put a guy out there and he may play really well. You remember when they did that to Phil? When Phil came out early in 2019, and every time he played, man, he was smoking. And then after the Michigan game, they hardly ever put him out there. When they did, it was just handoff, 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 right. basically, because I feel like they didn't want to. You want to show, show up what he could do, right? Yeah. And same exactly. thing with you know Kane Madden last year and Rocco Spindler. If you put Kane, if you put Rocco in there and he starts blowing dudes off the ball, it's like, how do you then justify keeping, keeping Kane, Kane Madden? Madden in exactly. And I, was, I don't yeah. feel like Rocco would have had to be an all-world uh, guard to mm-hmm. do that. And I, and right. I, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because now that I look back on it, that's a really really good point because they obviously had their mind up made up they they were going to play. Right and that's fine but then you can't defend that if you put somebody else in and he gets outplayed you cannot defend that because there's just too many eyes on the on what's happening you can't defend it 
So how do we solve that? We just don't put them in at all, you know, and that's how you solve that problem. And that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that before, but I was, that's a really, really good point. So we need to see, we look, and I don't think Harry, he's is going to be locked into anybody just because, you know, like, I don't think he's going to be locked into Josh Lug. Um, just because he's a 60 year senior. Or yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Josh isn't the best guy for the job, he won't play. I mean, I just, Agreed. my, he may get more, you, you may give a veteran more opportunities to keep that job. But if, right. if Rocco's the better guy, they're going to play Rocco or they're going to play three guards, which is another possibility. Absolutely. And then that takes some of the burden off of Josh Lug. Cause that's the other thing is if Josh is the best guy, but you're worried about him wearing down because that's the thing last year. Josh really wore down late in the year. He did. And that's where the injuries can kind of take a toll on a kid when he's playing a ton of snaps. There, the, a, a plan might be, hey, look, let's let's work Rocco in there. Right. right. Let's get Rocco every third or fourth series. You know, let's let's give him some chance. And then maybe he he takes a third series here and then he plays some snaps at left guard too. like, you know, get him some opportunities. Maybe he earns that. That would be I'd be fine with that, too. I would be fine with that, too, because that sets you up yeah. for the future. Right. And, and but it also this season helps kind of keep some of that wear and tear off Josh Luck because you got some big games in November. Absolutely. And, and, and you need those kids fresh. Yes. Yeah. You're going to need Josh Luck. Right. And look, you, right. you've had enough. You've had enough of a track record of Josh's injury history. Right. I think you put him up. I don't want to say it's a pitch count, but kind, right. but a little bit. You know what I it's mean? Possible, like, but but here's possible. the thing, Vince. You can't you can't force that. You can't force feed that. Absolutely, you, you can't say, "Well, hurt. yeah, Rocco's not ready, but we're gonna have to do this because no, you you kind of got to roll with it, right? This is why I say it's a big spring for Rocco Spindler because Rocco's gonna get an opportunity to say, "Hey, look, Coach Eastan." I don't know what your plan is, but you need to figure it out. I need to play. Right? Right. What I'm saying is you don't say that. I mean, your play says that. His play tells Coach Eastan that. That's When we say you need to tell them that, we're talking about like doing it with your pads. Like His performance right. is such that, hey, we got to figure out a place to put this kid. And, and, you know, the, and the other thing, too, is then you ask the question, Vince, do you then try to get Rocco some snaps at center? Because you have another guy that's got an injury history. And that's Jarrett Patterson, yeah. right? He got hurt at the end of the 2019 season, missed the last – or 2020 season, excuse me, missed the last, what, four games of the year. He got hurt again this year, and, and, and you know, and he's going to enter the season, you know, healthy-ish, but he's going to miss a lot of important weight room time. If Rocco does prove to be your next best interior lineman, do you maybe prepare him to say, hey, look, this may be his future? You know, because, look, Andrew Kristoffic still has three years left. That's the interesting thing because 2020 didn't count for him. He's technically a redshirt sophomore, even though he's yeah. a senior. So <laughs> if Andrew's playing well, he could start for this year and two more, right? right? And then you've got you've got Billy Shrouth, you've got Joey Tanona, you've got a lot of talented young guys. You got to start thinking kind of like, what's our 2023 line going to look like? Yeah, and maybe Rocco might be a center. I mean, it just those are all the things that make the spring fun because. Yeah, you know what? Let's see what Rocco. Let's see if Rocco can snap, and he may be terrible at it. He may like say like, "Nope, sorry, not happening." Go back out to guard. It, happen. it happens. Yeah. yeah, it happens. Yeah, and but it it may be a thing where like he put him there like, "Whoa, this kid's a natural at this, right?" And then you start to say, "Okay, now we feel like he can start anywhere. He's going to either replace Josh or he's going to replace Jared. He's going to replace somebody next year." So let's let's work, you know. But but those are things Rocco has to force that, right? He has to Absolutely. play 
he has to work this winter to get in in good shape. He has to work this winter to increase his strength. He has to work this winter on you know this spring on improving his technique and and be more assignment correct and and improve as a pass blocker. I mean, those are the areas where Rocco's game must continue to get better. But the reality is, Vince, we both feel he has the talent to say, "Hey, look, yes. you got to find a role for this kid." And and Coach Eastan has shown in the past that he's not afraid to do that if it's if it's there, you know, and not just with Robert Hainsey, but if you go back and look at 2013. Steve Elmer didn't jump into the starting lineup till later in the year when guys got hurt, but Steve was playing. He was he was he was playing in games before he got thrust into the lineup because of injuries. And so we've seen it at times before where a young guard came in or a young player came in and said, Hey, I, I gotta play, right? I'm I'm too good to play. You can't sit me. And again, when we say say that, it's not verbally saying that. Hey, coach, it's I got to play. Your, it's, with, it's with your pads. Yeah. And I think Rocco has the potential to be that kind of guy. But we got to see it because if, if if there's a gap between him, like a big gap between him and Lug and Kristoffic by the end of the spring, he's, it's going to be too great for him to make it up in the fall. Yeah. And that's oh, fine absolutely. if it is. I mean, just you know, you just hope that if there is a gap, it's because of how well the older guys are playing, not because right. Rocco doesn't step up his game. Exactly. So that's what's gonna. That's another thing that's gonna make this spring very interesting, Vince. Very well, interesting. yeah. And, and not having not having Patterson in the lineup allows you know a guy like Zeke Carell to kind of go back to what I think is his more natural position at at center. Uh, and it, I want to see. I, I you know the biggest criticism I had of Zeke last year when they had him at guard was that it was his strength. He he looked he looked weak at times to me, and so. Zeke Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Deeper so than he did in 2020, which is the okay. weird part. Absolutely. I I, I just I want to see what an offseason kind of looks like right. for him. And I also want to see him at his natural position as center as well. This so. is a this is a make or break offseason for Z Carell. Yeah, I agree with I you 100 percent. He can get passed because, up. Here's the other thing. This is what's crazy. He's gonna be a senior this year. He's got three years of eligibility left. It is crazy because of the COVID year. Because think about yeah. it, 19, he was a redshirted in 19, so that made him a redshirt freshman. But since 2020 didn't count, that means in 2021 he was a redshirt freshman. So he'll be a redshirt sophomore this year. He has three years of eligibility left. Crazy. So again, you it's it's but it's make or break in that you've got too many young guys behind you that if you're still that guy that that can't be assignment correct and is you know just because this is what we heard about him last spring, right? I mean, this is the no, look. Look, sometimes Zeke looks like a million bucks, and sometimes Zeke doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. And that was and then he played like that, right? He, right. you know, right. the center fix all those things. Because he's gonna, if they're gonna keep him at center, then he's gonna. I'm sorry, it's like weird. I got like an eyelash right on the, my tongue. Um, but if he's back at center, then he's gonna get a lot of snaps to kind of get right. himself back in the groove. You're you're gonna know where Zeke is by the end of spring, assuming he can stay healthy. And and that's an interesting one because you say, okay, well, who's the center of the future? It can still be Zeke Carell because this is the thing. If Pat, if if Pat, when Patterson's gone after this year. Zeke Carell still has two years left after that. You you know, it's like, well, you do you really want to start Zeke for a year and then move? Well, you don't have to. He's got two right. years left. Right. And so those are the things you kind of have to look into and say, hey, look, but and and again, as as Andrew Gustafic's cousin said, it doesn't mean that they're guaranteed to stay those three years, but it's just, just you start thinking about that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and so, and with Zeke, especially since Zeke won't have as much starting years on as Andrew, you know, that could be a factor as well. So and, and the other thing, too, is if you don't make moves this spring, Billy Shrouth and Emil Wagner and Joey Tonona and Ashton Clark and or Ashton Craig and Michael Carmody and Tosh Baker, those guys are all going to be making moves. And Michael Carmody's a guy that's yeah. very intriguing to me. 
I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested to see kind of where he settles position wise, right? right? Because we've talked about tackle, we've talked about him at guard, and I mean, if if you're looking at the depth chart, I mean, tackle looks like it's pretty well, you know, fortified for a little while. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and just got done talking about you know more options at at center. I mean, at, at guard and how long those guys have. So yeah, Michael Carmody is a really a really good question as to where he's going to end up. Right. Because I don't think he's a tackle. Like, right. Because one of the questions is, so he's not a tackle. Well, if he's not a tackle, who are your tackles? Because that creates some depth. I mean, so Tosh Baker, I have concerns about whether or not it's too late for Tosh Baker. Yeah. Like, that's, this spring is going to tell us that. Like, he was such a yeah. raw kid that it's like, is he ever going to get that back now? He missed two. He missed two incredibly formative years of development because he just wasn't coached well. Right. And and that's that's a problem for me. But are, is he going to be back or not? We don't know the answer to that. Caleb Johnson's a guy that I'd like to see. You know, how does what kind of spring does he sure. have? Because if Caleb Johnson can emerge and all of a sudden Caleb provides you with, you know, a really you know, technically sound, long, you know, kid that could play tackle, maybe could play some guard, but you need somebody to play tackle. Yeah. He can give you that, right? And and hopefully Tosh can give you that. But it just I got some concerns about Tosh. You know, just I need to see him bounce back mentally and technically from what we saw. Because last year, I mean, he'd have some snaps. You're like, Ooh, okay, that's a Tosh Baker that I saw. And then there's some other snaps. You're like, oh, my Lord, this kid yeah. couldn't play at max school. Yeah, I had and, a lot you know, of it, in, in Tosh Baker and his ceiling and what he – like I, I thought he was going to end up being a tackle. Which would the, allow you. The problem to is, Vince, he was high. raw coming out of high school. Yes, absolutely. And when you're coached, you be coached. That's exactly right. And he just. And he wasn't. Did not get the coaching that he needed. And it was so clear and obvious. He was a, he was a ball of clay that never got molded. And that's the biggest problem. Right. But the question is, is can you afford to move Carmody inside? That's the question. Can you afford to move him inside? Because I'll be honest with you. Michael Carmody intrigues the heck out of me inside as, as an interior player because he's a pretty good athlete. That's why they put him at tackle because of, of the of the interior type of players. He's the one that had the athleticism to play tackle. The problem for me with Michael Carmody, I don't I don't doubt Michael Carmody's athletic ability to play tackle. I don't think Michael Carmody has the demeanor to play tackle. Michael Carmody's not a retreating player. This right. is what we said about Quentin Nelson in the past. I'm not comparing him to Quentin Nelson as a talent that would be unfair it's not i'm talking about from a mentality standpoint of quentin nelson was long enough and athletic enough and had the wingspan to play tackle at a yeah. high level in college tell quentin but nelson quentin, play tackle. see how that works for you right and and i think quentin nelson could play you know right tackle in the nfl yeah, right physically like athletically right. lengthwise power wise the problem not problem the reason i think he's better as a guard is because he has a guard demeanor he wants to come off and yeah. hit you guards right. don't retreat even even in pass pro Guards don't retreat like tackles. As we talked about this, I think a week or two ago, that the pocket is like this, right? The tackles are going to give ground. They want to keep you from beating them inside, right. ride you outside. But the interior to... guys can't do that because if they give the same kind of ground, then everybody's going to be right in the quarterback's face. Now, a couple right. times last year, it looked like they were doing that. Um, like everybody was in a pass, to, you know, and it was pretty bad. But you, you, you need to be able to hit and engage at the line of scrimmage as a guard all the time. Yes. And that's Carmody's demeanor. Like he has that. I want to, when he got in trouble last year, because often he was too aggressive. He wasn't good getting out of a stance as a tackle because it's like he just wasn't used to retreating. Right. He's a guy that's going to, wants to come off and smack you in the mouth. 
Right. And and like to me, if if I felt good about Caleb Johnson and Tosh Baker as my number twos, I'd give Michael Carney a shot to move inside and compete for the starting guard at job. I mean, starting job at guard. Wow, that was backwards. Um, <laughs> a starting job at guard. <laughs> like, how did that even come out of my mouth? This is trying to start a guard job and then starting guard at job. I don't know. I, I'm trying to help starting you here, man. Job at guard. Uh, I would I would literally let him battle. I, I he would be the fifth guy in that battle for me with Kristovic, Lug, Rocco. It's a fourth. No, it'd be yeah, because I was thinking Zeke, but I want Zeke to focus on I center. I want Zeke to focus on center. Yeah. I yeah, I think the I think the, the Zeke to guard as much as I advocated for it that I didn't want him to lose his job, and so I wanted him to get a shot at guard, it just didn't it didn't work out. And I, I didn't like him at guard. I just think he's so much better of a player at center. So I I agree with you. I think he needs to focus on center because, look, you need a good second center. I mean, if he's not going to start over Patterson, which I don't anticipate that he would, right? But, you know, Patterson's out right now, and so this is a great opportunity for for him. But we're not talking about him right right now. But, yeah, I agree with you. He needs to stick at center. Right. But, I mean, it's it's part of the conversation about where you're going to play him. So, I mean, you have to talk about Patterson to talk about, you know, ultimately where you want to play Zeke. Right. You know, do you want to give Zeke another chance to start? But see, that's the thing is, if Zeke's out there dominating a center, you say, look, this kid's one of our five best linemen. Let's give him a couple – let's give him some snaps at guard. And if he looks like he did at guard last year, then you know he just isn't comfortable at guard. Yeah. You know, and and you can just keep him a center. But then he may move to guard and be like, okay, he doesn't look like the dude he did last year. I mean, look, there's a reason that they kept trotting him out at guard. And and, and they saw something in Zeke that they sure. liked. It just sure. – the consistency, it wasn't there. But when Zeke was right, Zeke was, I mean, he's a tough, you know, he plays with good pad level when he's right. He can get movement when he's right. Uh, he just, he, he, he just, he's too small to, to play, to play the way he did last year, you know, where, when you, where he doesn't anchor the pad right. level is super inconsistent, wasn't using his hands. And that was an issue with all the linemen. They just didn't use their hands real well. Well, when you're as small as, as Zeke wrote, pardon me, then you're, you're going to, that's a big problem. Right, big problem that you can't talk about having to, to do. Having to adjust your run game and what you kind of right. want to do, and everything that we just talked about about twenty minutes ago would apply there. Right, you know what I mean? He's not going to be a road grader. That's not. It's just not how he's built at, at the right. guard. But right, right. So there's just there's just a lot of questions, but I like the talent. I mean, we and I don't. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the freshmen when it comes to starting because I just don't see any of them being starting caliber players. I mean, we're going to see Joey Tanona and Billy Shrouth. I don't know how much we're going to see Billy Shrouth because of the injury. Like he was still on crutches a few weeks ago, right? Like yeah. I don't know how much we're going to see him. Joey Tanona is a kid that I'm very intrigued by, but with Joey, it's more of, of a, how does he position himself for next spring when they lose some guys? Sure. You know, when they lose Patterson, when they lose Chris, you know, when they lose uh lug, how does he position himself? Like what does he show this spring that helps him kind of find a two deep role in the fall that then puts him in position to say, Hey, center, right guard. One of those two spots is going to be mine next spring. Right. And then that's, that's what the spring's going to be about for him is learning how to go about his business every day. That's what the spring's going to be for Joey. Learn how to go about your business every day, you know, absorb the technical aspects and just to try to apply them as much as you can, because those are the things that are going to, that are going to give Joey a chance to really make a jump in his first year is is being able to play the technical part of the game because the physical tools are there. I mean, he's big. He's he's got he's got some strength. Sure. 
he's a decent he's a decent athlete to tackle. He's a good athlete inside, in my opinion. He's got some size. He's got some toughness. I mean, Vince, you've seen film of him. He's an Indiana kid. I mean, he's he's kind of what you expect an Indiana lineman to be, right? Tough kid, yeah. you know, likes to fight and compete and battle, and he moves better than maybe you'd expect. So it's, it's, it's going to be a – He's going to need fine-tuning, though, because a right. lot of a lot of Indiana linemen, and I'm, I'm lumping, obviously, but mm-hmm. there's just the talent level in Indiana in general. You're right. Basically, if you're bigger and stronger, you're going to win. And right. so I, he needs to be fine tuned with technique and all that. And now there's a coach that can do that, and that's right. That's, right. that's very promising. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. That's right. that's going to be exactly. now. Is it again? Are we talking about Joey Tenona developing to the level that's going to allow him to compete for starting? No, we're not saying that. We're not we're not going there. Right. Doesn't mean it make it doesn't make it less important for him to have a good spring. Exactly. Right. And that's the big thing. And then, you know, kind of the final piece to all this, Vince, is as we as we look at it and say, how quickly does the line fully embrace the standard that Harry Heastan is going to set? And that was the interesting thing that I had in my in my intel piece on offense last week was, you know, the comments that the players were told by, you know, the staff that, hey, look, if you think you know what the standard was based on your experiences thus far, you don't know what the standard is. Hmm. And and it, it, you, but you're going to find out in a hurry. Meaning, there's a level of excellence that's going to be demanded of you, but you're going to be taught it as well, right? Like that's the thing. You can't demand players to do something that you're not teaching them to do, right? Or exactly. not teaching them to do. And that's the key. How quickly do they take to that? How quickly do they start to be able to apply those things to their games? I think those are the things I'm going to be looking for this spring. Is okay. We're seeing. We're immediately within the first couple of practices that we have open. We're seeing, okay, yeah, they're already applying some of those lessons. They're right. competing their butts off. They're using their hands better. Their footwork is better. Uh, you know, they're 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 finishing blocks off better. They're getting more movement in the run game. Those are the things that we're going to want to look at and say, hey, yep, this is this is this is what a line at Notre Dame is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. This is what it's supposed to look like. And and that's that's the kind of the gauges that we're going to have, the things that we're going to be able to see as we kind of work through the spring and say, OK, the, the, the progress is being made. Right. The progress is being made. Now it's time to to take it to that next level. And, and those are the things that that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, play themselves out because. Absolutely. Right. That's going to be the key. It's a compete level, all of that. And you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to see it fairly quickly, I think. And I I know that's going to be one of the questions that gets asked even after Thursday. And I don't know that I'll have an answer that day, but I still think there's going to be inklings and there's going to be pieces that you're going to be able to tell the difference. I I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, you have to temper your expectations for the spring a a little bit. I, I want Dude, I want you to explain that because I want to make sure what people because what we don't what we're not going to do is in this we talk about Marcus Freeman is like there's a perception like well you didn't like Brian Kelly you like Marcus Freeman oh, oh. personally yeah it's true but the standards <laughs> the standard whether I like the coach or not I mean I'm, right. I'm not going to be okay with a nine to three season because I happen to personally like the head football coach right standards the standard I'm not going to lower the expectations for Harry Heastan in the fall because I like him more than Jeff Quinn or think he's a better coach for Jeff Quinn than Jeff Quinn. If anything, we raised them. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? But what, so what we're saying is not like, well, hey, it's if the line sucks, it's going to be okay. Right. But what we are saying is like, 
look, this line isn't going to go out there and look like the 2017 line did in Mike Elko's first spring. It's not going to look like that. We're trying to give you, these are the things you can look for, however, that are right. going to give you a good sense of, are they making the strides necessary to where we will then see that in the fall? Right. That is the thing. And, and that is, again, getting movement at the line of scrimmage. The compete level needs to go up, right? Hand play needs to improve. Finishing blocks, are they working their feet through contact? And what we mean is the big complaint, you and I, one of the one of the big complaints we had technically in recent years was they would hit and stop, stop moving stop. their feet. Right. And then the other one was, is they would catch. So they would step, but not get any vertical movement step and accept the engagement as opposed to initiating contact. Right. right. Well, that's going to change. That should change under Harry. He based on what coach he has done in the past. And so those are the things you look for. Now it's not always going to look like, wow, that's a Joe Moore. Like you said, Vince, that's a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. Right. But that doesn't mean you're not going to start to see – you should start to see those things manifest. And so, you know, winning more battles maybe than they did last spring. You know, seeing – you know, hitting and working your feet and and using your hands better, getting extension once engaged, you know, getting to the second level because they were terrible. This past, even in 2020, they weren't great at getting the second level. They just got so much movement at the point of attack that they didn't always need to. Right. And that was really the only year we've seen this line get movement at the point of attack. And so those are the things that we're going to look for, you know, are they going to alter the pass sets to make them, you know, where you got to give ground in the pass set, but they were like, like, it was just a weird backpedal and they were just letting guys get up under their chest last year. Does that get corrected? Those are all things that, that we're going to be able to evaluate and see the growth from last season. It's just what we're saying is, but it's still spring. Exactly. Right? And it's exactly. this, the, the, it's, you know, I'll say now, and people aren't going to listen to me, but don't get too wrapped up on what the quarterbacks do in the blue gold game in either direction. Right. Good right? or bad. Because people were ready yeah. to hand Tyler Buckner the starting job last year because he shredded the third team defense. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's a, it's building blocks. The spring is a building block. And ideally you don't want any decisions to be definitively made in the spring. Cause it mean it usually means somebody's not playing well, as opposed right. to somebody looks phenomenal. You want a battle, right? And so those are the things that we look for, and um, that's what I'm excited to see from the spring. And the talent's there, Vince. I mean, there's there's no question. The talent no is there. No the question. Depth, even with the injuries, there's plenty of depth. There's plenty of bodies. There's plenty of players out there. I mean, you know, does Pat Coogan make us look stupid this spring for not thinking much of him and completely ignoring him in this conversation, basically? Right. Now, does he come out and show the tough – because one thing I'll say about Pat Coogan is I don't think he's athletic enough to play at a place like Notre Dame. But one thing he did have coming out of high school was a high compete level. He was a battler. He was a scrapper. You know, does does do they need some of that? Does he show some of that? There's all types of storylines that are going to be fun to see the, during the spring that are going to tell us about whether or not this line is prepared to take that next step. Because that Absolutely. right there is the big thing is, is if this team is going to be – is going to live up to the standard of what Notre Dame football should be, which means you enter the month of November with a chance to play for a title. Right. That should be the standard. You know, some years they're going to get there. Some years they're not. But are you entering that? Are you are you playing? Are you winning in the trenches? Are you the more physical team on the football field? Are you able to go out there and and take your offense to that next level? All the things that we say this program needs to be about. It all starts up front on offense. Mm -hmm. And and I think and like we said at the beginning, that's going to impact the defense, too, because. If you're conditioned every single day in practice that you better meant this is what Mike Elko had said. I'm, I can't remember if it was a public comment that he made or if this was a comment he made in a in a 
in a question that I had posed to him in a, in a, a more one-on-one setting. But he said, the greatest thing about going against those guys is our guys couldn't take mental days off in the spring and in fall camp. Because if you took a mental day off, you were going to get hurt. Like you're going to physically get hurt by Quentin Nelson or Mike McGlinch or Alex Bars or, or Sam Musford. Like they were so competitive and strong that they didn't because who who was their leader? It was Quentin Nelson. He didn't take days off. Right. And if Q's not taking a day off, I'm not taking a day off. Exactly. And so it raised the compete level of the defense. Right. So when they went and played George's big old line, I was like, so what, dude? I don't care who you are. I've been right. going against Quentin Nelson for the last two months. Right. right? I've been going against McGlinchey. And so it raised their comp- compete level. It raised their standard. Hey, and, and it raised their ability to focus. Like, hey, Foskey, you can't take the day off because otherwise Blake will destroy you. You know, you can't. Hey, so, you know, Howard Cross, you can't take the day off or Josh Lugg's going to pancake you five times right like right. those are the things that that have to that's the kind of thing we need to see because it doesn't just impact the line when the line is that way it raises your whole because what vince you and i talked about this off the air and and i think we a friend of mine were talking what are the years that we felt notre dame really had a legitimate chance to play for a national title right where they felt that team if was if it was coached right that team could have beat anybody it was 15 and 17 those also oh, happen to be the two best offensive line classes yeah, exactly. that no teams in their names ever had. Yes. Because yes. it sets a standard, right. right? So Sheldon Day's going out there balling on Saturdays because it's like, this is nothing. I, you, know, you guys know what I've been going against in practice every single day? Right. This is nothing. And, and I think that's the excitement. But we need to start seeing those steps. It's not going to look like a finished product, but we are going to see those steps. So I just wanted to make sure people understand we're not lowering the bar. We're just setting a proper expectation on what you can look for in the spring. That's then going to set the stage for them going out in the fall and proving that they can and should be one of the best offensive lines in the country. They're not playing in April. Like they, there there's, you know, a buildup there's time. Otherwise the $10 ticket I bought today would have cost a whole lot more for the game (laughs) at the end of the spring. It cost a whole lot more. If it was Ohio state, there's no question about it. You can't even get parking for, you know, you got to pay, no. Five times much that just to get parking to you know when yeah. Ohio State comes to town in a couple of years. So, um, so that's going to be it for today's offensive line podcast. Don't go anywhere because we are going to get to our Q and A section. But Vince, thanks for so much for uh, uh, for for the offensive line talk. I know you've been chomping at the bit. You were like, can we put that first? I'm so uh, excited. So- about this group. I seriously, that's going to be one of the main focuses that I've got when I yeah. go on. Well, the good news is for you is I'm going to actually have you looking at that. So you and I are going to have a conversation about what to look for, uh, you know, um, when you (laughs) when you get there.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.